0: Well, praise God. This is a good day, man. Thank you, Jesus. Things are going just right. God is good. Good morning, everybody. Look at somebody next to you and say, good morning. Some people say when they wake up, they say, good morning, Lord. And other people wake up and they say, good Lord, it's morning, right? So... We're going to get into this today, and I think the Lord's going to greatly bring increase and favor. I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to give you an excerpt today, kind of some highlights from a School of the Prophets uh, master training course we're putting together, made up of at least 30. Uh, teachings, 30 hours of teaching uh, that you'll be able to get very soon and even at the end of this session if you want to, Jason's prepared if you want to sign up for it to get an an announcement when it's completed and ready to come out you can sign up and we'll send you an email uh, offering our complete School of the Prophets master course and uh, so it'll be really great. So right now we have uh, most of that completed, it's almost done we're going to have about 30 plus uh, sessions in there. I've had Pastor Lawson join me in teaching it and some people but it's going to be good. Carly Ters is joining me with it and other people, but it's going to be really a powerful training session that helps you. We really go into some of the stuff and even stuff people have a hard time understanding supernatural encounters, all that. So if you want to at the end of this session, make sure you sign up for that and you'll get an email and Jason will tell you how to do that back there at the table. how to get an email to get a notification on when that comes out. So that could be something that really interests you. So we're going to take a little excerpt from that today. You ready to go on a Little prophetic journey? Yeah, so we're going to get a little more deep today. We're going to teach a little more um, and we're going to get into it right out of the gate. And um, let me start up by saying this. I've been doing this. I've been doing prophetic training all over the world for about 25 years. I've been doing prophetic training. We've done schools of the prophets in Scandinavia, Central and South America, Brazil, all over the world, Canada. We've done it everywhere and, uh, and all over the U.S. And it's something that I just keep learning from the Holy Spirit. So I don't pretend to think I know it all or that I've arrived or any of that. But I've, as Andrew would say, at least we've left, right? We've got some understanding in this area. And I want to share with you some of the things that I've discovered uh, in the prophetic that will greatly help you. So we're going to start out first and foremost by saying this. There is a difference between people that operate in prophecy and the office of the prophet. Amen? Amen. And now a lot of people say you have to begin to have all these different ways of identifying that. There's, there's all this, you know, almost like a formula or a mathematic algebra equation for what identifies a prophet versus what is a prophetic person. And I'm just going to simplify that right now. Are you ready for some simplicity? Okay. Here's the difference. People that prophesy move in the gift of prophecy. People that are in the office of the prophet have a responsibility simple the office of the prophet is a calling by God and it doesn't just mean you prophesy every one of us can prophesy to the level of or greater than anyone in the office of the prophet as a matter of fact I get thrilled in my meetings when kids come up or, or people come up and they say Joseph I have a word for you and it's dazzling I love that some prophets are like I'm the prophet what do you think you're doing like don't you know who I think I am right they go through that i got to tell you man no the body of christ is called the prophesy people say well prophecy is built on first corinthians 14 it says in the beginning of the chapter just let me paraphrase this for you it talks about comforting exhorting and encouraging right that's what it talks about first corinthians and people say that is prophecy and that is true they're correct but they're not complete so when you look at this although it's comforting exhorting and encouraging in first corinthians 14 if you go to the end of 1 Corinthians 14, there's a part where it says if an uninformed person or a unbeliever, everybody say uninformed or unbeliever, if they come into the meeting, okay, it's talking about the congregation. It says if they hear you speaking in tongues, they're going to basically think you're crazy, right? But then it says something very peculiar. Let me go find it for you here. Let me read it right to you. First Corinthians 14, let's get into this might want to turn in your Bibles with me. I just want to show this to you because there's been a lot of... The only thing worse than no teaching, ladies and gentlemen, is bad teaching. Bad teaching. Lots of bad teaching. Praise God. And you recognize this. So when we're looking at this, it goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians 14... And it's talking about all these different things that begin to happen, and we're looking at it. And I'm just trying to find where it, uh, where it lands on this spot here, where it talks about tongues and all these things. Let me look here. I'm right at the end. I'm looking for the verse, actually. First Corinthians 14, 32. It says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, and that's a big deal. And you begin to recognize that. Now, I'm looking, and I'm not finding where it says that they come into the mist. Anybody got that verse where they come in and an uninformed person comes in? Anybody, any Bible believers? Yeah, well, let me just say this. 1 Corinthians 14, where it says you come in and it says, if all speak in tongues, it basically says that you are absolutely, um, what is it? They think you're nuts. If you come in and you begin to recognize that if all, what does it say? Prophesy. If all prophesy, and the key word is all prophesy, it says they are convinced and convicted by all. Two words, convinced and convicted by all. Everybody say all. All. This is not for prophets. This is for you. That means every believer can prophesy dazzling words of knowledge. So when we go into the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, and it's talking very clearly about this where it says, it says comforting, exhorting, and encouraging, it doesn't stop there. You can add word of knowledge. Is that okay? So we realize, so prophecy for the general body of Christ is comforting, exhorting, encouraging, and dun, 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 word of knowledge. In other words, people can come in, and if you exercise the gift, and you earnestly desire the gifts, especially that you prophesy, then you can begin to grow in that, where you can look at a person, and the word of the Lord will come to you, and you can rattle their cage in a good way for the Holy Ghost. That's not just for prophets, that's for the body of Christ. And we're supposed to earnestly desire this. Now, what happens is, it says obviously in 1 Thessalonians, do not despise prophecies, right? Do not despise prophecies, somewhere around chapter 5. And you recognize when it says do not despise prophecies, the reason that's there is because you got a lot of weirdos in the body of Christ, right? Man. Prophetic people have the baddest rap in the body, and the reason is they've earned it. <laughs> they've earned it, man. They're just like, I'm weird, <laughs> and, and they think that's called prophetic. No, there's a difference between prophetic and weird, okay? Okay. Weird is people that are usually untrained, untaught in the word, not founded on the gospel, not surrendered to a pastor, not in a local body, not paying attention to the simplicity of the gospel. We get off in these weird revelations, and that's where things begin to get goofy, and we've got to begin to get into this. Now, I think I'm talking to some mature believers here today, right? Praise God. If you're not a mature believer, just don't give it up. Everybody will know. Just Right? So we got to recognize this. When we're talking about prophecy, prophecy should mostly be comforting, exhorting, and encouraging. You say, but brother, what about if you have a rebuke? Man, sometimes I come into places and I just want to rebuke. My favorite song is, and I rebuke thee. I rebuke thee. I rebuke thee. Preacher or person or my friend or whatever, I rebuke thee right? You ever been around that? It's like, I got a rebuke for that guy over there. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what, that is not the heart of Jesus. There's been a few times I've had to rebuke people. God sent me in things. But normally if a prophet's going to rebuke people, the prophet should be crying more than the person getting rebuked. I hate doing that. I don't look for it like, oh, I got my six gun ready. These guys are going to feel this one. You know, it's not like that. You know, prophetic people are gunslingers. You can have a good gunslinger and a really bad gunslinger, right? It's like they say, "Drop, you shoot him in the foot." You shot me in the foot, right? That's like when you give a word that's not on target and blow somebody's foot off and they're like, "You were trying to hit this nasty demon on my shoulder and you blew my foot off. What's wrong with you?" That's how a lot of people prophesy. They're like, "I got a word for you." They blow holes through people. They hurt people. They're they're missing limbs and stuff. And they're like, I guess God's just talking to me. Look, just because somebody gives you a word doesn't mean God is talking to you. It could mean you got a whole lot of the stupid anointing coming at you. Everybody okay? Praise the Lord. Now, we recognize this, but that just means typically in the prophetic, it just means people are trained or untrained. Listen to this phrase. You might want to write this down, ladies and gentlemen. Write this down. You never rise to the level of your potential. Never. People say, no, 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 Yeah, I have potential. The Holy Ghost is moving me. No, 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 listen to me. You never rise to the level of your potential. You will always fall to the level of your training. I'm going to say it again. You might want to write this down. You never rise to the level of your potential. God knows who I am, my identity. I'm righteous as him. Amen. But is your mind trained to that fact? Is your gift trained to that fact? Do you walk in protocol or do you walk around in in total rebellion and and walking around in Christian witchcraft because you're totally out of order? Amen. That is good stuff. And so you recognize this. There's a lot of people that good-intending believers, and they actually have a fence in them. They're wounded. And a lot of times I call it this. I call it the rake anointing, brother, the rake anointing. You know what the rake anointing is, right? When I was a kid, I was walking through a field. And one time I was a kid, my mom's like, don't you be walking in that field out there. I'm like, whatever, mom, I'm going in the grass. I can do whatever I want. And I went walking in this field and stepped on a garden rake, you know, with the claws like that, the little metal ones. And I stepped on it, and man, that sucker came flying up, and I had a revelation. It was like, right? Right? The rake anointing. There's a lot of people with spiritual gifts that have what I call the rake anointing. They're super spiritual, but they're always stepping on rakes. Oh, oh, yeah. And they just keep having that experience. And their whole life might be like that. They start running through a field. Right? Is that too much? Everybody okay? A lot of people in their spiritual journey has been the rake anointing. They've been skipping through the fields and the Lord loves me and I don't have to listen to anybody and I'm amazing and oh Jesus, I've been to heaven 47 times and rakes! Right? And what you realize is that is a person that's untrained. That's a person that's not fathered. That's a person that's not under their pastor. That's a person that's not listening. That's a person that's not allowing their soul to be carved on. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, around verse 14, and he said to the church of Corinth, he said, though you have many boy instructors, many instructors, 10,000 instructors is what he said. In the Greek, it says boy instructors. Though you have 10,000 boy instructors, you have not many fathers. And Paul said that to Timothy, and there's this uh, goofy teaching going on out there that says there's no such thing as spiritual fathering and all that. Well, then why did Paul say that? First Corinthians 14, it says it, though you have 10,000 boy instructors, boy instructors are those that thank God for them. They can regurgitate a message, they can begin to bring things forward, they hear something and they can teach it back to you. Wonderful. Praise God. We need that. There's a lot of those. But fivefold ministers are called to be fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. And they are inspired voices that are trained, exercised and put into order. And when you're put into order and it takes, I like to say it from Kung Fu Panda, they're forged in the fires of awesomeness. You've been carved on, you've been beat down, you've done all that stuff, right? And you've gone through the fire and you come out sweet. There's nothing better than a five-fold minister that's been beat up, lied on, chewed up, spit out, kicked to the curb, treated like terrible, and then come out on the other side sweet and loving people. That's somebody that's on course to become a father or mother in the faith, okay? And much discipleship and much training and much reading the Bible. Any prophetic person, I remember talking to one prophetic person years ago, and uh, somebody brought him to me all the way up in the mountains, and they sat him down, they said, this guy has visions and revelations. They're like, yeah, I've had this, I've had that. It's amazing. I said, big deal. And he was like, huh? Huh? I thought you were like Mr. Prophecy. I said, I am Mr. Prophecy. I said, how's your Bible reading going? And he was like, well, I I used to read the Bible all the time, but that's kind of bondage. You know, I, I really want to be just in the flow of the Holy Ghost. I said, you're about to be deceived. The devil's going to be your mentor, and so will offense. He wasn't blessed by that statement, but he needed it. Amen? Praise God. And we love people, man. I love people love people. But if we don't begin to do this, if we're going to prophesy, we need to train the gift. Okay. So sometimes when I do heavy school, the prophets, like we really go for it. We'll blindfold people. I'm a prophet. Sit down, blindfold. Who's in front of you? Uh, no, no, really. Who's in front of you? Because we either have a man, woman, nobody. And then now tell us about this person. And they're like, you know, it's awesome. (laughs) Right? We should be exercising these gifts. We should be training them. Why do you think they had the schools of the prophets in the Old Testament? with Elijah walking around. They trained those cats. They were told to shut up and sit down and exercise their gift, and then also move in the Holy Ghost. Now the Old Testament's very different than the New Testament. Every believer has the Holy Ghost today. People are like, you know if a prophet's false or accurate if they miss the word. If they miss the word, they're a false prophet. That was true in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Agabus missed details. Uh, Paul heard things from God, and people voted against him and went the wrong way, and he ended up in a shipwreck, and God still rescued him. You begin to recognize all these things that happen. And sometimes you hear words from God, and it doesn't always go the way that you're hoping. But the New Testament, every one of us are his sheep, right? Somebody say, I am his sheep. Therefore, I hear his voice. Say, I hear the voice of God. But we've got to begin to fine tune that and train it. So I'm going to talk to you about a few different flows of prophecy here. I'm going to get into this very quickly. I'm going to give you a few Hebrew words that are the equivalent for prophetic flows. Let me show this to you very, very quickly here. Um, Let's go into this right now. First and foremost, we realize there's four different flows. Everybody say four types, four types of prophecy. Let's start out with this. Number one, there's the Roe type. Okay, hang in here with me. Roe type. Number two, there's the Navi type. This is like uh, Avatar, the Navi. <laughs> okay, look at this. Then number three, there's Cheza, Okay. The Chaza type. And then four is the Chose. And you recognize this. A Roe is a visionary leader. Boy, I got a lot of real estate to play with here, Pastor Ben. This is awesome. Okay, so this is like somebody um, who just says, they're like the sons of Issachar. They know the times and seasons. They know what to do. They know what to do. People that say, yeah, that's happening over there, but follow me. We're going this way. I just, I know what to do. They see things, okay? Do you know John the Baptist never really prophesied to anybody? And Jesus said he was the greatest prophet. Never gave words of knowledge, never held meetings, never predicted the future. The only word of knowledge he ever gave was, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? Behold. Check this out. Look at that the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist wasn't doing all this predictive stuff and all that. He was preaching. He'd, Repent you snakes and vipers. Who told you to flee from the wrath to come, <laughs> right? Right? So John the Baptist goes on that road, but so let's just talk about this very quickly. The rowway are visionary leaders. They they lead with vision. They they're inspired. They're moved along by vision. Navi. Navi is a the word navi in the Hebrew re- refers to a, um, an unction that comes on you, or a, they're like a mouthpiece. They're a mouthpiece, a proclaimer. They're one that declares things. They blow a trumpet, and they do this, but one of their primary things is not only being a mouthpiece, but they, are, they have a, a teaching gift that bubbles up. Okay? Okay? So uh, people like Andrew Womack, he's a Navi prophet. I asked Andrew point blank, I said, Andrew, you're a prophet, right? Yep, I am. I said, I know it. And I said, so you do this, and if you watch him, he teaches under unction, under the Holy Spirit. That's why his his messages are so soul-piercing, you know? He's a a Navi. So you recognize that. The Chaza." Is a whole other animal. So you got this kind of teaching prophet. You got Kenneth Copeland's kind of like this. Different ones uh, in this the Word of Faith movement. Very Navi prophet type teachers. You see that thing happening. Um, And when you look at the Chaza, this is another one. And this is where you get into Word of Knowledge. This means to gaze or mentally perceive. I before E except after C. You begin to mentally perceive. That's why English people, that's right. (laughs) I love my grammar Nazi friends. It's so wonderful. And so look at this. You realize this, chaza to gaze. Okay, chaza means to gaze. It's like when the prophet stared at the king in the Old Testament. He began to gaze at him and stared at him, and then began to weep. And the king said, "What's wrong with you?" He said, "I see you're going to cause all this damage and killing, and all these things that are going to happen." He was gazing at that man, and and the word of the Lord came to him. There's something about where you see and say. And when our school, we begin to teach people that they can see and say. There's a popular teaching that says a prophet can't prophesy unless the Holy Spirit blows through the room and they They've been praying for hours, and then they're ready to just prophesy into the unction. That is true. That's one way. Another way is, though, is that, honestly, we could stand every person up in a room and prophesy to every one of them. Why? Because the gift functions, and you step out in faith, and you see, and you say. But you don't do that unless you have some training, right? Right? So gazing means you stare at something and it begins to come forward. Now, this is going to get a little weird. Let me say this to you. This is there's a perversion to gazing, and that comes where people look into crystal balls, they do things, and they're in uh, the psychic community and all that, and they begin to gaze and perceive things. How many of you know gifting works? It it, it doesn't, it, regardless of who the driver is, gifting can work. Meaning this. Amos said, I was not the son of a prophet, nor was I a prophet, but then the word of the Lord came to me, implying something, that there is a spiritual DNA in people, like a family of musicians. You know, you got Ben, who I just so love the music he plays. I love it. But he's got music in his family. There's, a, there's an anointing there. There's different people that have that, you know. Different families. Have you ever seen a family of doctors, a family of salespeople, How about a family of musicians, like we just said? Different people. You see themes in families. Creativity. Gifting can be similar. It's not a rule, but there's there's generalities, and it happens. And sometimes there can be parents that are prophetic, and then you have children that are prophetic, or I've seen it skip a generation and go to the grandkids. And so this whole understanding, the reason I bring that up, is because there's people... Two different types of prophetic people, people that earnestly desire the gift after they're born again, and some people are just born with a gift. And that's where the church gets it all confused, because if somebody has a gift, you know, I think it was, uh, I was watching um, an actor named Anthony Hopkins. I was watching him, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and said, you know that man's prophetic. I said, what? So I went. I began to do research on him and found out that he actually said, "I don't understand it." Sometimes I look at people and information comes to me, and I use it like a party favor. I just, I just tell people things about their future and what they just did. He goes, "I just give them these little prophecies, and it's just amazing and all that." And I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> And the truth is, there's a lot of people like that that have that gifting. I was on a tour bus with Scott Stepp from Creed, right? Yes, sir. You know, can you take me high? No, Nobody. And, and so I'm there, and I looked at him, and I said, you have a gift of prophecy in you. And he said, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> and, uh, and the truth is, is a lot of these people have that, but they're, they're just trying to find their way in life. They don't know what's going on. And you recognize something about it, so the world begins to reward weird stuff, psychic stuff and behavior, but a lot of times it's a prophetic gift gone astray. Now, you can have people that fake it in the world, just like you have people that fake it in the church, okay? Right? But you got to understand this. So this, this uh, container, right? This container is just a container, okay? It's designed or branded to have good water in it, Right? But did you know that I could fill this up with poison, cyanide, rat poison, whatever, put it in here? And it contains both. It could contain water that refreshes you and nourishes you. Or we could fill it up with poison and it could kill you. But the container doesn't change. Does that make sense? It's an instrument. It's an instrument. I could take a scalpel and you can save someone's life or harm them. Right? So a weapon or a tool or a gift is the same. And when we start to understand this, it'll bring clarity. Information brings peace. All right? So that's what we're talking about. So people that are gazers, they look at things, and information comes to them. Sometimes when I'm ministering in meetings, I fall into this at times where word of knowledge will come through gazing. And people are like, Joseph, what are you looking at? I'll stare off, and I don't even know I'm doing it. And uh, I have to tell, I've learned to tell people, hey, I'm not being weird. Sorry. You know, you, you, you've ever seen the trivial psychic on Saturday Night Live? Ever see that? christopher walken right he walks up to people puts his hand on him and he's like mm. <laughs> and, he's just, and he's like you were in a cab at 10 o'clock this morning and you left the cab and then there was a cup of coffee you left in the cab that is all and they're like what does it mean and he's like it's a good cup of coffee right so you recognize some of these things <laughs> sorry the trivial psychic they're like <laughs> anyway the point being though is that you you can gaze like that and i i was um I have this happen in meetings. Sometimes I'll see writing over the air on people, and I read what I'm seeing, or I'll see things, uh, I'll look at a blank spot on the wall, and then data starts coming, and all that stuff. And that can work for anybody, and everybody's wired a little different, and you just kind of find your prophetic language or your spectrum. Here's the thing. Any experience you have, and I need to say this even before I go to the next one, any experience you have needs to be subject to the Word of God. It just does. I've had conversations with a lot of major leaders and prophetic uh, warriors and stuff. And the real guys, the real guys, they have some weird encounters, okay? Because our gifting opens up, and it's the word of God that sets that in order. Because there's, there's, I don't know how to say this. You know, there's 10 known dimensions to man, right? It's like, I think it's six of them are knowable to us, and the other ones are not. And they can prove it through math. So what am I saying about that? And I don't want to go wait. If I go down this road, will be it'll take me an hour to break this down. And in the end, you'll go, I got it. But it'll take a moment. So you just recognize we are three-dimensional beings, right? We see things in three dimensions, okay. And if I were to say to you, what's a four-dimensional object look like? You'd be like, uh. I, I, Three dimensions. I don't know, how do you add a fourth dimension? Well, a fourth dimension, for layman's terms, would be you see my hand, this side, and this side simultaneously. That's four dimensions. It's hard to understand that, much less five. Okay? God, I believe, is multidimensional. And I believe supernatural things are outside of the dimension we know. So when a manifestation happens, okay, a manifestation happens and I'm gonna to try to keep this really simple. The way to understand how greater dimensions than the one we live in would relate to us would be for us to think about a lesser dimension and how we view that, okay? In other words, we're in three dimensions. If we look at a two-dimensional object, a two-dimensional object is like a piece of paper or a photograph, does that make sense? And if I were to take this marker and stab it through that, the two-dimensional object, if it could see that in a flat world, like a piece of paper that people were living in and all flat, can't really do much. If you were to put this marker through that piece of paper or through that flat dimension, they would see it, but it would look like a ring appearing. They'd see the different parts on the marker. It would look like a ring appearing. And they would say, oh, a marker from three dimensions is a giant ring, and it's flat, and it moves like that. Okay? Wow. So they'd say, that, I've seen a marker. That's what a marker is. Okay? If I were to put a Bible through it, they would say, A Bible looks like a very contoured, unique scenario. It comes through into the flat world, and there's like uh, points of leather on it and, and, and little fragments of red ribbon, and then there's these pages and words with fragments of curved letters and stuff that comes through this flat world until it passes through. They'd say, I've seen a Bible. Does that understand? That makes sense? So when a four dimensional circumstance enters a three dimensional space, That's called a manifestation. Okay? That's why when people say, why is it that Catholics see these wild miracles and things happen like stigmatas and statues doing these things and all these crazy things that begin to unfold? Why are there weird, why does glory dust and gold appear in the room and all these things happen? Well, because when it talks about heaven touching earth, it's another dimension crashing through into our three-dimensional space and we can't comprehend it. That's where we're like, show me your glory right remember Moses when he was in the cleft of the rock man I'm barely even getting into this teaching here we got so much to give you Moses in the cleft of the rock when he was in the cleft of the rock you guys remember that when when Moses said to God you guys tracking with me Moses said to God he said Lord I want to see you and God said no man can see my face and live remember I said that okay No man can see my face and live, but I'll show you my back. I'll show you my hinder parts. I'll show you behind, okay? The fascinating part about this is this, because I believe God is multidimensional. I'm going to come out of this depth of where I'm going here in just a moment. God is multidimensional. The Hebrew word for hinder parts or back is the Hebrew word akor, A-W-K-O-R, okay? Akor. And it means this. It means that when Moses was there, God didn't turn around and say, check it out. I'm going to flex. That's awesome. Right? And Moses is like, that is one ripped back. You know, he's in the cleft of the rock, like, you know, and God's walking through the valley. And Moses is like, his back. That's not what he saw. God said, I can't show you my face because no man can see it and live. And I'm going to give you a thought on that. When God said, I'll show you my back, a core, he was talking about this. Moses was in the cleft of the rock and suddenly Moses began to see something. And God said, I'll show you. I'm going to show you. The word a core began to happen. And what Moses saw, God said, I'll show you in the beginning the word In the beginning, the waters hovered over the face of the deep. And the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. And then creation narrative and all that. Moses began to write down the beginning. He saw back in time. So he began to see the beginning. Because people argue, they say, you know, there's these... People in Bible college, and I went to you know a university, and I'm formally trained in biblical studies and all this stuff. And so when I went there, they they taught. They said there's this theory called the JEDP theory. The JEDP theory is a simple, it's, it's a way of saying the first five books of Moses were written by a group of priests. They were written by um, people that handed down documents and people that agreed on things. Moses didn't really write it because it was impossible. They said, how could he? Well, in the cleft of the rock, a core happened, and Moses revelatory wrote the first five books, the Torah. He wrote it, and Jesus said, as Moses says. So if Jesus said Moses wrote it, I'll stick with Jesus, not these other theologians, right? So I believe Moses wrote the first five books. Then from there, you begin to recognize that "accord" doesn't just mean that. "Accord" it says subtly in the Hebrew. It means going back in time. And there's a reference to future events. Now, I'm just gonna share this with you. This is something I'm thinking about. You should pray about it, just see. And this might tip some theologians over, but hey, <laughs> we're here to give you the word, amen? And so... Remember when Jesus brought the three guys with him, right? And they went to the Mount of Transfiguration. And who appeared there, Elijah and? You know, God's in a different dimension. And all of a sudden, I believe it says Moses appeared and began to talk with Jesus. I think God showed Moses the beginning and Jesus, I'm going to show you something Moses, you want to see the plan? And I think a core he went back and he went forward. And I think he stood on the mount of transfiguration. No. Ah, right? There was such a light, it was brighter than snow, right? It was like Star Trek. Hi, guys. And Peter's like, I'm going to build you some houses and tents and and all that. Peter, not knowing what to say, said, I'm going to build you something here. And, And he was actually trying to do Jewish custom. And the Lord's like, basically, shut up and listen to my son. Okay? So we're in that circumstance. A core happened, and I believe Moses began to see that. That... Man, I'm, I'm getting ahead into the next topic here. But that is what you begin to recognize. So when that begins to unfold and you see what's happening, then you see the circumstances around how some of these things operate. Now, what we got to understand with this is this, is that there are f- different dimensions we can step into. And these things are accessible, but you've got to do it through the word. You know when the Bible says, remember Saul went and killed all those animals and um, Samuel told him not to? You guys remember that? And Saul decided, I'm going to go do these sacrifices. The prophet's taken too long. I think prophets should act like Gandalf. The prophet arrives precisely when he means to. He's never early or late, <laughs> right? He, res- he arrives precisely when he means to. <laughs> Praise God. And so you recognize this, though, that, <laughs> that Samuel uh, was late coming to that, and Saul all of a sudden decided, I'm going to go sacrifice this stuff. It's going down. And he did it, and Samuel began to come at him, and one of the phrases he used, and you'll know this, he said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What an interesting combination of words. Why is rebellion as the sin of witchcraft? You ever think about that? People are like, if you're in witchcraft, you're in rebellion, amen. If you're in rebellion, though, it's equal to witchcraft. But let me define that deeper, and this is important prophetic people, okay, really important rebellion rebellion really broke out not only with Lucifer Lou decided I want the worship and, so, and, and Michael's like what'd you say I'll punch you in the throat when Jesus said I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven I think Michael was sharpening his sword as Lou's throwing a fit Michael's over there shing <laughs> shing Just kind of practicing. Yeah, God, I'm just getting ready for battle. You know what I'm saying? And Lou's over there like, I think it's my time. My time. Me. My own. My precious. Right? (laughs) And all (laughs) all of a sudden, Michael's like, what was that? (laughs) I want the worship. He's like, you know, God, I don't like these artsy guys. You want me to punch him in the face? Right? I think that Michael knocked him out of heaven. You know, and it's like. I think Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Yeah, at the end of Michael's fist. And so, rebellion, Satan induced that. Rebellion at the sin of witchcraft. And you see that over and over again. Remember a guy named Nimrod? Nimrod, you know, some, uh, some extra biblical texts say he married his mom. Real classy guy. Uh, Nimrod. <laughs> Nimrod did this. He built the tower of... Yeah, Babel. Built the Tower of Babel. He was trying to build a system that was outside God. You know, when it talks about the Tower of Babel, by the way, the Tower of Babel was this. It wasn't a tower that went up into heaven. It was a ziggurat, a flat-top pyramid that had switchback steps that going up to it, and they'd begin to sacrifice to all these entities in the sky. Okay? they sacrifice kids and stuff. Just like the spirit of abortion, they worship Molech, all that junk. So you see that it's called a ziggurat, and it meant it wasn't they were trying to reach the moon. I'm going to build a ship that reaches the moon. Okay? It wasn't that. Look, Mom, I drew a picture of a rocket. Meh. Look, Mom, I made a ship out of macaroni. Meh. Look, Mom, I built a rocket, and it goes to the moon. Meh. Right? Nobody. Okay, sorry. That's from Despicable Me, right? Guru's building a rocket ship. Okay, whatever. Okay. So... That's right, amen. Thank you, Hannah. See, I got support right there. Okay, now when you recognize these things... You recognize this stuff, you begin to see that there's a rebellion that broke out in the early era of the Tower of Babel. They said, we don't need God. We want to start our own system, the Babylonian system. We want to have our own economy, our own understanding, and our own form of accessing the Spirit without God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft because rebellion and witchcraft are one. Rebellion or witchcraft. Witchcraft is, get this, an unauthorized access to the multi- dimensional spirit realm that's why witchcraft's so bad it's saying i don't need you god i'm going into the spirit without you and to say without you means without this so when you start accessing supernatural things that's why uh, pharmacia meaning drug use and all this stuff is so bad because it alters and and don't don't go crazy on me but it alters what they call the third eye or this thing here it begins to mess with your brain waves okay that's why you see people that wear that little gem there and they worship all you know cows or something. You begin to see that. So you got things that go on with this, and they got that third eye, what they do is you numb down or break down the barrier of that sensitivity that keeps a veil between the natural and the supernatural. The Holy Ghost is meant for that, and if you alter that through narcotics, or you alter it through other things, or you alter it through wild experiences without the Word of God, you are now creating witchcraft, which is rebellion. Rebellion is, no God, I'm doing it my way, and I'm going into the realm of the unseen. Just like Nimrod did with the Tower of no, God, we don't need you. And God came down and struck their language, okay? Now, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft is a serious thing, and that's why prophetic people, when we're hearing God, Yes, we need to have reverent fear, but you don't have to walk around in fear. Oh, no, am I getting it right? Am I wrong? Oh, I just want to please God so bad. What you got to do is get into the Word of God and let the Word of God begin to overtake your five senses. It says in Hebrews chapter, I think it's chapter 4, verse, chapter 5, verse 14, it says this it says, um, through reason of use, through reason of use, somebody say use, we exercise our senses to discern between good and evil. In Hebrews 5, it's talking about the five senses. In other words, we take what we can uh, smell, touch, taste, see, and hear, and we put that into the submission of the word of God. And then when you prophesy, it's from a pure heart, and the word of God is your lens. The word of God is how you access the supernatural. People are like, no, no, I don't need the word. I walk in the spirit. how spiritual i am <laughs> yeah and I, I really love anointed flag wavers i've you know years ago i was in a meeting band i was in this meeting and people were the, we did a we used to have a prophetic center years ago and people would show up to it and they would come and there was a point i thought this isn't right like we're in a pro, i'm looking at him i'm preaching i had this i had like 50, 60-year-old guys wearing bedazzled jeans, right? They're wearing bedazzled jeans, and other people would show up in their pajamas with their flags and stuff, and I'm like, and and they'd just be like, oh, Father, you know, and and all this, and and it was, I'm okay with pageantry, and I'm okay with creativity, I really am, I'm not against anybody, but after a while, I thought, this doesn't look like mature disciples of Jesus to me, not people I want to go to war with, you know? and they're like dancing around oodly-doo, oodle doo jesus oh ah, ha, ha, ha. and i think that's great sometimes i laugh in the spirit i fall on the floor i feel the anointing i love that stuff but when there's a point that that's your whole life you know and, and you're in pajamas and you're laying on the floor during the message on a pillow and you're doing stuff i was just like you know what i said ladies and gentlemen i i stood up in the meeting i said i just want to say something all the weird stops today and they were like oh, no, God, is a, God would never say that. I'm like, yeah, well, kind of, he would, yeah. And, and I went down the road and I just said, you guys, it's time to mature. It's time to get in the word of God. It's time to begin to eat steak and stop uh, sipping milk, you know? And if you're going to be real prophetic people, you got to grow up on the inside. And if this offends you, it just shows you you're not mature. The fact that you're offended, you're proving my point. We had half the attendance the next day. But then we began to build mature disciples. And we started a Bible college. We began to rock them. I built two of those. Two of those, man, in the Amish community. You know the Amish that are voting right now and coming out? Those are my friends. That's a lot of our disciples doing that. Yeah, I know those guys. I've preached with them. I've worked with them, done that stuff. We've been in those communities, and we, we were out there, and we were just, like, doing stuff. We had auction halls packed with people, bringing them to Jesus because of the prophetic word of the Lord, and they are like, oh, my gosh, I want to be in this. I said, yep, we, we win them with the gifts, but then get them into discipleship, get them in the word of God, right? Yeah. So there's four different flows. We recognize this. Chaza is to gaze. It's to look at circumstances that are going on. Chose, this is uh, the craziest one of the bunch, typically. Chose means this. I don't know where I put that black marker. There it is. Chose means, um, it means this. It means to behold. Okay? Another way to say it is to lean forward. And uh, peer In other words, this is uh, the weird part of prophecy, what I like to call the thousand-yard stare. You ever been around that, the thousand-yard stare prophets? Storm's coming. It's not going to be bad. It's going to be worse. Right? You ever been around that? Thousand-yard stare prophets? Yeah. And so, but that's real. The chose, the beholders, is real. They behold, and what do they do? They peer into the distance and they see the future. They see the future. That's called chose. So you got these different types. Now, this is not available just to the office of the prophet, this is available to every single believer. Every single believer can do this. And you recognize you got the visionary leaders, you got Navi mouthpieces, you got Chaza, they gaze, word of knowledge, they mentally perceive. Do you know what it means to mentally perceive with word of knowledge? Here's how a gift works with word of knowledge. If you have what I call a day vision, okay? Let me explain this to you. If I were to say, apple, okay, picture an apple. Can you all see an apple? Okay, it's no longer red, it's a yellow apple. Did it change? Okay, now there's a little stem on top and a little green leaf is popping out of it. You see the green leaf? And the green leaf waves, Jesus is Lord, right? Okay, I'm just saying stuff, okay. And so you recognize that. You see that in your mind, right? That same ability you have with mentally uh, making pictures is part of word of knowledge. It's part of how God works through you. God begins to give you a day vision and uses the eyes of your heart, your understanding. He begins to speak in that category. The way we get misled is when we're not rooted and grounded in the word of God. People are saying they want a spiritual experience. And Jesus said in John 6, 63, my words are spirit and they are life. You show me a prophetic person that's not like devouring the word of God, and I'm going to show you someone that's off base. Period. Period. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to sh- I'm going to show you someone who's offended. I'm going to show you someone that, when any prophetic person begins to say, <laughs> I never miss it. Watch out, man. I think you just did. <laughs> And I think that God actually delights in the humble. I think a sign of maturity in prophecy is, you know what? I own it. I got it wrong. I missed it there. Yeah. If you can say I missed it, I think the Lord's like, bravo. I think he's pleased with that. Because it's not about you anyway. And prophecy's not about pulling bunnies out of a hat. It's not. It's like, and look, the amazing Alonzo. <laughs> you know, ha ha. You know, the people are like, that's amazing. I know, I know. You know, that's not how prophecy should be. Prophecy is not designed for that. It's to bring glory to Jesus. It says in Revelation 19, verse 10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, prophecy should bring glory to Jesus, not the one prophesying, not all that stuff. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, said, I must decrease and he must increase. Right? So this is where we get into the fundamentals of the school of the prophets. This is where we start understanding some of these things. So... Here's what we're going to do. I've been going here just for a little bit, about, I suppose, 35 minutes, 40 minutes or so. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a very short break, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about discerning between real and false prophets. Okay, I'm going to break it down in crayon for you so you go, oh, that's great. It's really simple, and it's going to help with some of the um, categories of What's the right thing? Prejudging, misjudging, and then also it'll help you be more accurate because there's a litmus test for some of these things that you begin to recognize. And it's very simple. The Bible's not a math equation. It's simple. It's simple. Let's all stand up. Praise God. Oh, yeah. Praise Jesus. God's so good. He loves us so much. God wants to laugh with us. He wants to enjoy what we're doing and, and be with us in this. I just feel like this message today, this, this seminar, is pleasing the Lord. I do. You know why? Because we're going to give glory to Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say, I receive, you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we come into agreement with your word. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a five-minute break, and let's get right back here, because I'm going to jump into this, and it's going to really help you, okay? All right.